the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Welcome to our program on this October 14th, 2023. We've got a packed show for you today, folks. So let me tell you real quick uh, who are guests are so we can jump into the show real quick. Our first guest is Mr. Wid Lyman, D.C. reporter for Border Hawk News. He's going to be talking to us about um, what is going on in D.C. Then we've got Mark Morgan, my very good friend, former Customs and Border Protection Director. He's going to be chatting also with, a, with us about what is going on uh, in D.C. with the politics. Then we've got Mr. Chris, Chris Russo, uh, who is director of Texans for Strong Borders. He's going to be chatting with us as well. And our final guest uh, from Panama, talking to us all the way from Panama, the Darien Gap, you're going to want to hear this, is Mr. Michael Yan, photographer and correspondent, who is uh, going to be telling us what is heading in our direction. So, folks, without further ado, let's go to our first guest, Wid Lyman. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got uh, our good friend, Mr. Wood Lyman, who is with Border Hawk News, our former sponsor. And uh, he is in Washington, D.C. I wanted to get him on because there has been a lot of reaction, my friends, to the uh, activity, to the war that's going on in uh, the Middle East. Uh, to the Hamas attack on Israel. And uh, we have seen, my friends, some folks that are pro-Palestinian terrorists. I mean, making outrageous comments. And, uh, and uh, Wid, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us, buddy. Good morning, George. It's, it's good to be with you. All right. So tell us, what have you seen in Washington, D.C. with regards to these demonstrations? And... Since we've got such a wide open border, uh, do you think we're we might be in danger as well? Uh, you know, the easy answer is yes. But <clears throat> this weekend, I was covering uh, a pro-Palestinian rally in Washington. Um, there were about five hundred folks showed up. It was very organized. They had a police uh, escort throughout. They marched from Lafayette Square, which is just in front of the White House, down past the National Monument, kind of along the main drag there. And they, they put up a good, uh, a good row for sure. The footage that we have on Waterhawk News is pretty, pretty intense. And there were a lot of folks there. There were uh, local DC people. There were people from, uh, I would say pro CCP Chinese people were there. There were communist socialist organizations. There were oppressed other groups there speaking. And then a lot of pro Palestinian, pro, uh, or anti Zionist, I should say. Uh, folks, their flags, banners, a lot of different speeches. It was uh, it was kind of an intense situation. They stated that the rally was going to be broadcast to Gaza, so it was um, being streamed to them at the time. And there were a lot of people, and they were very, very obvious in their messaging. You know, talking about settlers and colonizers and anti-Zionists and anti-U.S. And they were, I don't want to say aggressive, but they were certainly present and loud. Now, what's very, very interesting, and there might have been some of those folks, you tell me, but uh, there have been lately a lot of folks here in the Southwest claiming that the Southwestern United States is, is equal to the Palestinian occupation, that uh, American uh, aggression, that American imperialism is occupying the Southwest. 
Um, any of those characters there? Certainly. The, the verbiage that they use is settler and colonizer, which the U.S. has been called that for, you know, since the beginning as well. I mean, just yesterday we had Columbus Day, which a lot of people take offense to as we colonized, you know, what, what you know, North America at that time. So I think the verbiage is the same. I think the sentiment is the same. You know, one of the chants that they were yelling was uh, from uh, Mexico to Palestine, you know, no walls. They don't want any open walls, no borders. Um, they're basically talking about, you know, the Mexican-U.S. border down close to, you know, San Antonio area, and they talk about the walls that surround Gaza and the West Bank. So they equate those two things. They equate Israel's um, presence or occupation of that area similarly to what the U.S. Uh, is here. It's amazing. The um, uh, the situation that we've had for the past, uh, well, at least the two years that it's been wide open during the, the Biden administration, that the border has been wide open. Uh, do you think that we are, are looking at a similar situation like this Hamas attack uh, internally within the United States? You know, it's a great question, George, and, and I'm no, you know, I'm no data analyst, I'm no in, intelligence person, but the, the obvious answer is that with an open border, with people coming across, you have to think that we're open to more issues, more attacks, more social unrest, more uh, physical unrest of some variety. I mean, there was new data put out this morning from Bill Malugin that talked about who has been crossing uh, the southern border for the last few years. They call them special interest aliens. Syria, 538. Yemen, 139. Iran, 659. Iraq, 123. Afghanistan, 63 plus 100. And a lot of those countries are not necessarily friendly to the U.S. Wow. A lot of those countries, those are big numbers, right? Oh, and a lot, of those, a lot of those countries, they, they harbor people who wish us harm. So out of the thousands of people that cross in the special interest category and out of the millions of people that have crossed since the current administration, it's hard not to believe there's some really bad apples in there. Now, the uh, mainstream media, um, here in San Antonio, the front page yesterday, uh, while it talked about the attack on Israel, the front page had pictures of Palestinians suffering. And by definition, that seemed to be their uh, the, their sympathy was laying more with uh, uh, the Palestinians than it was with the um, with the Israelis. Do you think that um, that uh, it's that we're going to see a a uh, like we have seen with the police uh, that uh, uh, the criminal will be the victim instead of the the victim actually being uh, viewed that way? You know, you've seen that same same rhetoric from some of our elected officials as well. A lot, some of the uh, folks in Congress have Palestinian flags outside their offices, and they've made comments to the same extent. And I'm sure we could have a, a lengthy, multi-day discussion about the events in the Middle East. But you know, when I read stories, George, about women and children being killed. And when I read about people at a concert getting shot, you know, 260 bodies were found. When I read about old grandmas being abducted, you know, I lose a bit a bit of sympathy if I had any for some of those people. So I think it's a little early to be painting some of those narratives. And it's it's just it's just horrible what's happening over there, what's happened. And it's it's really a shame that uh, some of our media paints some of these messages. So what was the reaction in Washington, D.C. to this demonstration? I mean... Uh, 500 people, yeah, that's a good number, but still that's kind of small. But on the other hand, uh, the uh, I mean, what is the reaction? Is there, uh, was there any counteraction? Is, was there any criticism? What, 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 what was the re reaction? There was zero counteraction, zero anti-protester. Uh, I didn't see a single person waving an Israeli flag or an American flag or talking to the the folks that were demonstrating there was no reaction whatsoever and this was fairly fairly publicized i mean again they had permits and police escorts and all that and so they, there was nothing in order to push back against them in any way and you know what was interesting as well george was some of the language they used before they started marching they said if, if anybody comes up to you we don't talk to the enemy 
in other words, these these people that they hate so much aren't even worth talking to. Wow. It's just they're totally out of sight, out of mind. And if anybody approaches you, we don't we don't engage with the enemy. That's incredible. So I mean, they're already they're already looking uh, at everyone uh, that disagrees with them in a provocative way. I, I, I it, it sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no. There's no discussion on their end of things. They feel uh, incredibly strongly about what they think, and a lot of their chants. And again, if you visit Borderhawk News, you can see a lot of our videos. A lot of the chants, Intifada, Revolution. There is only one solution. You know, that's fairly straightforward in terms of what they think. Intifada is their word for rev- revolt, for pushing back against the colonizers, the occupiers, as you stated. And you know, they're very obvious about what they think and what they want to do. So when, when they shout, settler, settler, you will learn, what the heck does that mean? Well, nothing good, right, right George? You know, the, <laughs> the, the second part of that is, settler, settler, you will learn, by the millions, we will return. Huh. And, you know, I, I really don't want to draw too much of a conclusion, but I, it doesn't sound like something that should be yelled at all. I mean, if you yelled at a, <laughs> at a sports game, that probably wouldn't mean anything good either. <laughs> I mean, it, it is, uh, you know, it, it, it is so telling their hatred. This is not, you know, I mean, it, the the absolute d- disgust that they have and disdain towards Israel, uh, it, it is violent. It is violent. It's it's very violent, and they've they've been waging this violent uh, you know skirmish for many years. Um, you know, if they have another chant uh, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, and they're referencing you know the sea to one side and the Jordan to the other side. Well, that encompasses all of what we call Israel. Yes. So you know, there's really no other way to look at some of these things. So, bottom line, before we let you go here, these are radical. Palestinian Arab Muslims. They are absolutely radicals. I would consider them a, a, a an enemy within and I wonder how much how many more reinforcements we're getting with immigrants uh, or illegal aliens that are coming across. If I just look at some of these, you know, if you hear some of the numbers, you know, some of the, the Muslim extremists, they, they label about 1%, right? We've heard that number before, yes, 1% to right. 2% are extreme. If you look at some of these numbers from Bill Malugin this morning, 1% is thousands of people. Oh. So, oh. so yeah, there's no way that we're not aiding and abetting and, and, and sort of creating some of these people. And all you have to do, George, is look at the issue that the Boston bombing had, those two brothers. Yes. They were their own cell. They were radicalized. You know, they're probably a tiny portion of the Muslim population in Boston, but that's just two people and to see the damage that they inflicted there. Exactly, exactly. Wed, thank you very much. We're going to let you go, but thank you very much for joining us. Uh, today. Folks, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Wood Lyman from uh, Border Hawk News, and he is in D.C. giving us a, a blow-by-blow description of what is going on there with reaction with the pro-Palestinian, yes, pro-Palestinian uh, demonstrations in Washington, D.C. Wood, thank you very much for being with us. Always a pleasure, George. Appreciate what you do. You take care. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got uh, my my good friend, Mark Morgan, who uh, is the former Customs and Border Protection Chief. Uh, but he's now with FAIR, our sponsor. And I wanted to get him on, my friends, because uh, Fox News has released some disturbing, some very disturbing uh, data regarding... The people of special interest. These are these are individuals who are coming from countries that, uh, <clears throat> well, they're not necessarily our friends where there's terrorism going on, and um, the numbers are staggering. Mark, thank you very much for taking time to be with us, buddy. You bet, you bet, George. Tell us, 
Tell us about, first of all, tell us about this uh, this report that Fox News and Bill Malugin just reported regarding the numbers of people from special countries. And what are those special countries? So this is very important, and this is just another um, illustration, another example, another fact of why, George, and you, you and I, we've been talking for a long time saying this, why border security is synonymous with national security. Here's what we have in the past 32 months. CBP has encountered uh, individuals from 170 different countries. Keep in mind, there's only about 195 recognized countries in the world. But but many of those 170 countries that we have encountered people from are, are we, we know, are either uh, uh, sympathizers with, uh, facilitators of, or terrorist organizations have ties into those countries. And so any, any alien from that country, we refer to as a special interest alien. And that's what Bill Malusian reported on. Over the past 32 months, there have been tens of thousands, tens of thousands of illegal aliens that have been apprehended from a special interest country, again, that we know has ties to terrorism uh, or terrorism have ties into their country. But if that's not alarming enough, if that's, if that's not alarming enough to show and illustrate who's coming to our borders, what should really be shocking to everybody is 1.6 million known gotaways. So the question we should be asking is not just how many we've apprehended, how many we didn't apprehend and are among the 1.6 million that now call the United States home. George, we could literally have a sleeper cell in the in the country right now playing the next terrorist attack and we would have no idea. Borders matter. That is really, really disturbing uh, because, I mean, that... Now we have to add to uh, the list of... Uh, I mean, we've got criminals already here in the United yep. States that are that are ignored by the media. The, uh, you know, whether or not uh, they uh, have been uh, arrested or done, committed a crime in, in a foreign country, or they've committed a crime here, but they're here as illegal aliens. We ignore that. Now we've got to add terrorists to the to the uh, to the mixture. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And and let's not forget about drugs. But the criminals. Look, we've been talking about drugs for a long time. That's good. We're starting to talk about terrorists, and now obviously because of the. The, the, the war now that's erupted once again in the Middle East, um, you know, that, that, that sh- a couple of important things from that. One, it, it shows us that the Middle East, again, once again, is at war. Two, that global terrorism is alive and well. And three, that there was a colossal intelligence failure. Either we, we didn't have the information we needed or we weren't able to connect the dots of the intelligence that we did have. And what's important to that, George, is that, look, there are global Islamic extremists that still, their commitment to do harm to the United States is unwavering. And if, if, if anyone listening here, if they think our own intelligence apparatus is infallible, you're living, in a, you're living in, in, in a false reality because it's not. There are many intelligence gaps that we have. So I'm glad that we're talking about terrorism. I'm glad that we talk about drugs. But one of the things we don't talk enough about is the criminal element. Again, we know in the past 32 months. Border Patrol has apprehended tens of thousands of criminals, including murderers, rapists, pedophiles, aggravated felons, and gang members. Again, that's who they've apprehended. I'll go back to the 1.6 million gotaways. This is exactly the type of people that are running trying to avoid apprehension, the murderers, the aggravated felons, the gang members. Think about how many are among the 1.6 million that now call the United States home. It's, it's unfathomable. And again, this is why I say there's no downside to securing our borders. Yep. Here in San Antonio, they uh, arrested, uh, the police arrested a Honduran man uh, who was uh, uh, a pedophile, uh, a child rapist, as well as a murderer. And uh, he had been in the United States for at least three years. Now, one of the disturbing things is how the media doesn't identify them as illegal aliens. Not even that. Correct, George, you're right. Remember the Pennsylvania fugitive? Yes. Right? I mean, this, this is a man that lived in Brazil, right? Committed a murder in Brazil to avoid apprehension, fled, entered the United States illegally, killed somebody in our country. And, and when he escaped from prison, the, the, the liberal media, there was no mention of that. There was no mention that he was in the country illegally, no mention that he killed somebody in his home country and fled and entered illegally and killed again. Zero mention of that. I mean, you had to dig hard to find it. It was only conservative outlets that were uh, talking about it. And I'll give you another stat. So you brought up Austin. So in Texas, and Texas, by the way, is only only one of the only states that actually keeps data on, on crimes committed by illegal aliens. 
from 2011 to 2023, 287,000 illegal aliens committed 480,000 crimes, including well over 1,000 homicides, about 1,500 kidnappings, and 7,000 assaults. Wait, 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 George, where is the outrage? How many more Americans have to be abused? How many have to suffer? How many more have to die? Look, we can't prevent all crime in this country, but you know what one element of crime we can prevent? By people that shouldn't be in the country in the first place. And how do we prevent that? Secure our borders and stopping the bad people from coming in. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, on the way again, uh, it seems like it's become a regular situation. When I drive to the border, I get caught in a chase and uh, I've got to pull over to the side. Now, there have been several occasions where chases have ended up uh, taking the lives of Americans. And these are people uh, who are uh, fleeing uh, the state troopers to avoid getting arrested for human trafficking or maybe even drug trafficking. And again, that's a product of the open border. Remember, last year, a grandmother and a granddaughter were yes. savagely killed in a traffic accident by, by a young driver that had been hired by the uh, cartels to smuggle illegal aliens. There, like I talked to Texas DPS almost a daily basis. I'm sure you do. The, the vehicle pursuits, it's a literally a daily occurrence. American lives have been lost. The lives of migrants have been lost. But yet, you know, again, you have the open border advocates in this administration and the liberal media never report it. Never. Ever. We, we, you know what? And, and, and listen, we, we, so we talked about, you know, the, the drugs coming in, killing Americans, the national security threats jeopardize our national security. We talked about the criminals coming in, taking American lives. But guess what? M- m- migrants are dying at a rapid rate as well. In the past 32 months, CDP alone has recovered over 2,000 dead migrants. That doesn't include the migrants that died in Mexico, the Daring Gap. They never talk about, you know, up to 30% of young women and children are sexually assaulted and raped on the journey. Or the untold numbers that are thrust into life of trafficking after they're already in the United States to pay off the debt they owe to the cartel. George, when was the last time you heard a single element of the liberal media or this administration talk about the death and suffering the migrants are going through because of open border policies? Zero. Doesn't happen. That's exactly right. Now, do you see any kind of silver lining since the mayor of New York, uh, the mayor of Chicago, even the mayor of D.C. Uh, are uh, carrying on about the overflow of, uh, of uh, illegal aliens coming in, that they cannot uh, serve them, that they can't take care of them, et cetera, et cetera? Do you see no. any kind of, uh, of silver lining? <laughs> No, no. They're, 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 look, all those individuals you named are a joke, right? It's just more virtual, virtual signaling. They're not serious about actually stopping the crisis by addressing the root cause of it. All they're wanting to do is ask this administration for more funding. And finally, when the governor, Governor Ohoka, when she finally mentioned something remotely about, yeah, we probably should control, you know, uh, who should come in, she was just, you know, spontaneously answered a question. Literally within 24 hours, she started backtracking from that. So, so they're, they're not asking uh, for, for the Biden. First of all, they're not blaming the Biden administration. They're not asking for the Biden administration reverse course on their open border policies, right, to secure the border, stop drugs, criminals, national security threats from coming in. They're just asking for more U.S. taxpayer money so they can manage the crisis more effectively once it's already here, rather than they take that money to stop the crisis from entering the country. So they're, they're a joke. It's just pure politics. And at the end of the day, nothing that they're saying or asking for is actually going to fix the problem. Well, that's the, that, that's really the sad situation, the sad yep. reality of this situation. Um, it is. It is. Give, a, give us a, a conclusion. Where do you think, I mean, are, are we in danger? I mean, uh, is, is it not a matter of, of time rather than whether or not it's going to happen? It's, gonna, it's a matter of time that, that something tragic is going to happen in the U.S.? Yeah, so first I would say, I, I understand what you say, but for, I, for my opinion, it's already happened, right? I mean, yes. we, we already had 100,000 Americans die from drug overdose or poisoning in a 12-month period. We're, we're, we're having Americans killed in, in, by, by illegal aliens almost on a daily basis. You just gave an example of a recent one that was arrested. And, and we know that potential mass security threats are already here. So, so, so what I would say is, is, unfortunately, what we saw unfold in New York the last 48 hours, think about this. We actually had people in the United States, and so some of them were claiming that they were born in the United States, 
towards they're actually supporting the actions of Hamas. <laughs> they, they, they weren't saying, you know, they weren't saying, hey, we're, we really like a peaceful and diplomatic solution to the conflict of territory there. They were actually saying we supported the, the terrorist horrific actions that targeted innocent women and children, tortured them, kidnapped them, killed them. You asked people in the United States who is so wedded to their ideology that they're actually supporting a terrorist organization and the horrific terrorist acts that killed innocent civilians. So my question is, think about the 1.6 million and think about 170 different countries. Think about, we have somebody that entered our country, right, that, that has a, a, a terrorist Islamic extremist ideology. Think about how easy it would be, right, to 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 hijack the ideology of American citizens here that are actually supporting the terrorist uh, uh, attack that just happened in Israel for them to actually take action against the United States. And again, United States that is fully supporting uh, uh, Israel and condemning Hamas, which Americans now are saying America's in the wrong position. Think about that. You got it, buddy. Oh, that is really, that is really, really disturbing. And, and the American pub- public needs to really, the taxpayer, yep. the citizen, the voter, they need to wake up and 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 shake the tree of the of the elected officials, man. <laughs> yep. If they don't, they're going to be waking up to a, to a tragedy. Yep. And that's 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 my that's my concern. You got it. We're going to let you go, but thank you very very much, folks. We've been speaking with my good friend Mark Morgan, the former uh, Customs and Border Protection uh, Chief, and uh, he is also now with Fair, our sponsor, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Mark, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us, buddy. You bet, George, anytime. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got... uh, Mr. Chris Russo, who is uh, with, uh, he is uh, the uh, president uh, of uh, Texans for a, for a Strong Border. And I wanted to get him on once again, because uh, my friends, we've got everything but a strong border right now. And uh, given what's going on in the Middle East and the number of people that have been caught by the uh, Border Patrol from uh, these special interest countries where there is terrorism, uh, what should we, how should we be feeling? I mean, what, uh, what is uh, the alternative to what uh, is going on at the border? Chris, thank you very much for taking time. Give us your thoughts on what is going on uh, at the border uh, combined with what is going on in the Middle East. How safe should we do, we feel and what should we do? What's uh, Where are we going with this thing? Well, George, I don't think we should feel very good about our situation at all. Um, certainly, over the last few years during the Biden administration, there have been a very significant uh, number of people apprehended that have had some sort of terrorist watch list status. And so what that means is... Uh, we expect that these guys are guys that you certainly don't want to have within your country. And if we apprehended a certain amount, it goes to, uh, it stands to reason that obviously there could be quite a, uh, quite a bit more that we did not apprehend coming across the border because our situational awareness is so overwhelmed by these mass groups that are turning themselves in and bringing Border Patrol agents off of the line. We've got, uh, you know, this um, uh, situation where the uh, it's not only fentanyl now that we're worried about. We've got criminals uh, in the United States, people who have committed illegal aliens that have committed crimes in the United States and are illegal aliens, or they've committed them in a foreign country and come in. And now we've got to worry about terrorists as well. Uh, what, uh, where are we going with this thing? Well, right now, the objective and, and the outlook for the American people, and Texas in particular, is not to get caught flat-footed. 
what our organization said yesterday is that if Americans are to take anything away from what's going on in Israel right now, it's that border security is tantamount to national sovereignty and uh, homeland security. So uh, the, we have an upcoming special session in the state of Texas, obviously. Um, and so the governor has put a lot of items for consideration that have to do with border security. Obviously, I think that that needs to be expanded in terms of the call, but we should be calling our politicians in Austin and trying to get the strongest versions of all of those bills. And my organization's tracking what's going on. Um, And then the other thing is that we should be demanding of our representatives in Congress that um, after this current continuing resolution that any funding discussion, certainly, that they stand firm unless we have some measure of border security included in that. We, You know, this uh, session that's coming up, last session of the Texas legislature, they didn't address anything regarding the border crisis. Are you optimistic that something will happen this time around? Particularly since what since what is going on at the uh, in in the Middle East and the number of of uh, uh, Muslims that we do not know what they're up to that are crossing the border. Well, certainly the structural problem of the leadership in the Texas House with Speaker Dade Phelan is going to be an obstacle this time around, as it will be going forward for really any issue conservatives care about. But I think that the political calculus has changed. The feeling that I get and from people that I talk to that have covered the Texas legislature for much longer than I have is that with the failed impeachment of Ken Paxton, these folks have burned a ton of political capital. They have heard a lot from the people in their districts, and they feel the pressure to actually get some conservative wins in order to to sort of paper over those bad feelings um, that they're getting from their home districts. You, um, uh, you know, given that the Democrats continue to, to uh, well, some of them are very silent right now. Like here in San Antonio, um, Melendez, Menendez, who wants to run against uh, Ted Cruz uh, for Senate, is being very, very quiet. However, he has uh, been screaming about... Um, uh, uh, gun control. I don't hear him saying very much about uh, the open border and who's coming across it, as well as this whole attack on Israel and uh, our nation's security. Uh, do you think that they will um, that this is going to be an, a vulnerable position for them? That uh, that uh, the the conservatives in the in the state house can take advantage of? Well, I think really it doesn't take a single Democrat vote in the state house or the Senate to pass a lot of these major border security initiatives. Um, quite frankly, Republicans have control of all of the key committees that border security legislation would go through. And, um, what it would take is just a consolidated consensus of the Republicans to vote on bills that are going to address these issues, uh, you know, like repelling the invasion at the border, Article 1, Section 10, um, finishing the border wall. So right now we have billions of dollars in funding that's allocated towards a state uh, border wall construction, but we don't have imminent domain power to do so. And uh, one of the other ones is making illegal entry into the state a uh, state crime, and that would mean that if someone was apprehended and charged with that, there would be a higher chance of them being put into accelerated deportation proceedings. And so for all of those issues, I think Republicans really have to get on the same page. And I I am not optimistic about getting any sort of Democratic support for any of the aforementioned issues. That's really bad. I mean, that's very, very disturbing because... Um I mean, it's our public safety that's a, that's a concern here. I mean, not only is the situation, is the problem drugs and, of course, illegal immigra- immigrants uh, taking jobs and, and using up resources and, 
homelessness and all that sort of stuff. We don't know how many terrorists and criminals are in the bunch. Oh, certainly. But the, the problem here is that as much as Democrats will give lip service to the fact that, you know, especially the ones that live in border regions, that they care about border security more than anyone because it's their home, that rhetoric sort of rings hollow when you consider that their definition of border security is fundamentally different than yours or mine. Yes. These people look at border security as sort of a clerical issue. Like these people are coming through too fast and too disorganized um, for us to hand them some sort of uh, documentation. And so the solution is to just, regardless of the law, regardless of the will of the people, just come up with more ways to hand them documentation rather than following federal immigration law. And so that's sort of been the approach from day one, is it doesn't matter to them whether it's 200 people a year that are coming to the United States across our southwestern border or 200 million people. Uh, really, the number of people is irrelevant, and they probably don't even think that there should be any limits. Um, but the fact is is that, this, that because of that difference in vision, they have consistently opposed any measure that Republicans and you know most reasonable Americans would support. That is really, really disturbing. Um, we're going to let you go, but uh, in conclusion, uh, what do you see happening in this legislature? Do you think that there's going to be anything that will make us safer? Well, I certainly hope so. Um, really, I think it could go one of two ways. Um, the first is that the pressure to really do something impactful for their base because of the um, negative will from the failed tax and impeachment, uh, that causes us to actually get some wins uh, in, in on border security. But the other alternative is that it would go just like most special sessions do, where a lot is proposed and ultimately what is passed is significantly watered down from what was proposed in the regular session in order to make sure that it gets across the finish line. So um, we'll be pushing for the former and hoping that uh, that is the eventuality. Well, we need we need border security and we need public safety. That's what we need. Thank you very much, Chris, for joining us today. And uh, once again, my friends, we've been speaking with Mr. Chris Rousseau from Texas for a stronger border. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, Mr. Michael Gunn, who is a writer, author, and a uh, good friend. And he is down in the Darien Gap. He is in, Pencil- in, in Panama as we speak. I wanted to get him on so he could talk to us and tell us what is going on down there. Who is coming our way? Michael, thank you for taking time. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me on, George. The last time you and I spoke was actually in Texas. And uh, then you hear a bus right in front of me, by the way, coming to China to literally pick up areas right now. And anyway, that's why I'm here. I'm next to the camp. Uh-huh. And um, one of the one of the camps. But in, in any case, you know, after you and I were talking about maybe six months ago in Texas, Todd Benspin and I, you know Todd very well, we, um, he wrote the book Overrun. In the last chapter of his book, he describes that colonial north of Houston called Colony Ridge at near, um, near in Liberty County, right near the Plum Grove. So Todd and I drove over there after you and I talked, and Todd was with us, and uh, we, we drove over there, and we went into that colonia, and it was massive, as you can see, and, and uh, Todd put up a drone, and I said, wow, man, this is a little bit too big for a drone, let's go to the airport and come back with an airplane, so we drove over to the airport, we came back with an airplane that day, and we couldn't get it high enough, so I said, let's go get a helicopter, and uh, it, it was too late in the day, so we came back later with a helicopter, Dave Cannon helped us get up, and we took uh, Bailey Wire and quite a lot of others, and Van. We took them up into the sky, and um, and, and we took a couple of congressmen, Latrell and uh, Morgan Latrell and um, Brian Babin up over on a different trip, and with the express intent of trying to blow that uh, international news, which is now worked. And after we left that colonia, we took our burning edge team, and Vanderstein and I did, we took them down to SpaceX. 
and we spent two weeks at SpaceX with, again, this, we left the Colonia, we went straight to SpaceX, and with the clear intent of trying to get uh, Elon Musk down on the border. And as you can see, he was just down on the border. And so that's what I do in many places, is take people that need to see it, like Daily Wire, uh, or uh, Todd Benjamin, you know, he's, he's usually uh, cutting trail. Todd is, you know, he's up front. And uh, as is Ann Vanderstill, we take people like that, Danny Wise, who are, uh, you know, who cut trail with the machete. Here's two more buses going running me right now. Uh, I got to tell you about these buses, too, but hold on. Uh, let me finish where I'm going to. But I look at the borders all over the world, whether it's Morocco, Greece, uh, Lithuania, uh, just everywhere. And uh, Japan, uh, not that they have a land border, but anyway, uh, I've written three books that are only in Japanese, actually, about um, this situation and this information. And uh, Colombia, Mexico, here in Panama, I spend most of the time down here in the Bay and that. And uh, so I know, you know, a, a lot of the Indians from the different tribes, I'm out with them all the time. And I'm watching these flows. I'm studying the flows. Now, two days ago, on August 6th, the president of Costa Rica and the president of Panama came together down here as a result of this huge pressure we're doing on the media. And they went to Las Blancas camp, which is a camp about 30 minutes down the road from me. I was at it again yesterday. I've been there many, many times. These buses that just went in front of me, they, they just came out of San Vicente camp, which I call China camp. Las Blancas camp and San Vicente camp are related. They are the collection points for people who survived the Daring Gap. Now, the, the president of Colombia, I'm uh, sorry, the president of uh, uh, Costa Rica and the president of Panama have come to an agreement that they're going to open the border between Panama and Costa Rica. So as of today, on, on, on today, this Sunday, which is now, they should be flowing through directly from these buses that are going in front of me right now. They no longer have to stop at this camp in nor uh, north of Panama. They're just going to flow right across the border into Costa Rica, right through Costa Rica, up to the border of Nicaragua, right? So this flow is really getting intense. Right now we see three to 5,000 a day coming through. I have a team in the jungle right now. They just messaged me. We haven't had comms for the last, actually a couple hours because there's a section of the jungle that lose comms. We're out with the Indians on a, on a, on a river right now on a Nicaragua uh, dugout canoe. But they were just out looking at some of the villages and um, they said that they've seen, and two, the first two hours they were watching this morning when we lost comms, they had seen 1,500 um, uh, migrants come through the jungle in two hours, 1,500. Wow. That, was, um, you know, that was, as of, like I said, a couple hours ago. Now, I'm, I'm not, not going to have comms with them for probably two more hours, and, uh, and then they'll have comms again, and then we'll link up uh, and debrief. And so, yeah, we see this daily. So now the flows at the current time are about three to 5,000 a day through the Daring Gap. In August, it was 82,000, but now that has increased already dramatically, right? So now we're in October. I don't know the numbers from September yet, but uh, according to the Panamanian government, they told me 82,000 in, uh, in August. Now, right now, I'm looking at a lot of mud in front of me, and this is special mud. And uh, so the, the rainy season, it's rainy season here now, and so that slows down the migrants coming through, right, a lot. But every month, it still continues to increase. So 82,000, even during muddy rainy season, and this, I'm guessing September must have been closer to 100,000. Again, we don't know the numbers yet, but we're going clear towards at least 10,000 a day, at least, because they're building two more camps in the jungle. Right now, they're running about 60 buses a day, about six zero, about five dozen, right? To be clear, I'm not sure if, you're, if people can hear me between 16 and 60, but it's five dozen buses a day right now, right? Big luxury buses, one right in front of me. And they, um, so, but they're increasing that to 200, right? So, so this... 60 a day, which fit roughly uh, roughly 50 people per bus. So that's what they've been running, right? And uh, and now they're increasing that to 200, right? Now, as they do that, they're building two new camps in the jungle right now. And um, in fact, we were going to fly over yesterday to photograph in the sky, and we were not allowed to do that, actually. Sometimes I rent our charter aircraft and fly over and, and uh, photograph everything again, compare and contrast. And you can see from these aerials that, that I occasionally make, like, like the aerials we've been making at Colony Ridge. Like every week I have somebody fly over Colony Ridge and send the photos back, right? Uh, he graciously does it, actually. I don't have him do it. <laughs> he just does it because he's a patriot. He flies over every week and sends new photos back. So in other words, the people at Colony Ridge north of Houston, they can say this, that, and the other, but we're watching them. We're watching them from the sky, from the ground, from inside the network. We've got patriots all over the place, and they're not able to breathe without us knowing about it. So we know what they're doing. And likewise down here, even if they stop me from coming to Panama, there's no way they're going to stop this information. Our network is now too vibrant in Colombia and Panama and Costa Rica. 
We see what's happening. It's very clear. And I keep warning the Panamanian government, this will destabilize Panama. They will take Panama with this flow. As you increase the flow, they're building a road now. They're going to end up building a road to Colombia through Panama, through the Darien Gap. They call it here in Spanish, it's called Urn. And, and uh, in Panama, they call it the, uh, what the Pampon Bay, that end, I think the Tampa of uh, uh, Darien, the plug, right? Because that jungle that's here, it's a really intense jungle, uh, is... Um, it's, it's a defense mechanism. It's, a, it's like a wall, you know, that, that nobody can invade through that jungle unless you come by sea. And that's why, you know, when we were building Santa Ma Canal uh, way back when, which opened in 1914, which is a you know, huge, uh, a vital interest here in, in Panama, uh, the, the one thing uh, that uh, prefaced that was uh, there was a, a, an, an insurgency and some subversion that caused Panama to break away from Colombia, right? So this used to be Colombia, where I'm sitting at now. But to build the canal, you know, one of the political dramas was to create Panama, right? And so now Panama, Panama is vital terrain. That's why I spend so much time here in places like Netherlands and Texas. Like the RGV Valley in Texas is very vital terrain. A lot of Texans don't realize that the Rio Grande Valley, there by Brownsville and uh, there down by uh, McAllen and whatnot. I was just down there when uh, Abbott came to speak. That's very important. That's tr- that, this highway that goes right past me, I'm looking at it now, but these buses go on, that's Highway 1. That's the Pan-American Highway. If you connect that with Columbia, now you are connected by highway to all of South America. If you can get your feet into South America, you can get anywhere in the rest of Central America, Mexico, and, and North America, right? It's no problem. And this highway right in front of me goes right up to Texas, or goes right up to the United States. It, you, know, you can take any road you want after you get through here because there's many different roads you can take. But the bottom line is one of them is the I-69 corridor, which people in Texas are well aware of. The I-69 corridor right there through McAllen area in Brownsville goes right by the, that port of Brownsville, which is a strategic port, and it's very important. It goes by SpaceX, of course, in that area, and then it goes up next to that Colonia, right? Right. Coincidence? Is it a coincidence? So all these places that I go to, that I-69 corridor goes right up to Detroit, right, and Canada. The World Economic Forum has made a headquarters in Detroit. This is not coincidence. I study this all over the world, and it's the same patterns I see everywhere. We're overwhelming Europe with the same uh, flows coming in through um, Africa and Asia. Uh, and, you know, like, for instance, Luxembourg, I was there last year. When I was first in Luxembourg, back when I was in the Army, it was, they called it the jewel of Europe. It was very safe. You could let the children play outside at midnight. It wouldn't matter. Now it's broad daylight. There's African drug gangs running... Uh, drug deals. I mean, I was there for almost two weeks. Uh, saw somebody break into a car right in front of my hotel in downtown Luxembourg City. Again, which used to be the jewel of Europe. And, uh, and, uh, saw fights, saw people. It looked like it was like, like San Francisco or something. You know how bad that's gotten if you've been there lately, which I have. You know, it looked like Portland. For those who have been to Portland or San Francisco or Skid Row down in, if anybody's been to Skid Row lately, you know what I'm talking about. Luxembourg is starting to look like that. Downtown Luxembourg City. You can't even make up the stuff. And so now, you know, Panama, while they are pulling these people through Colombia, and, uh, of course, Panama is like, hey, Colombia, close your border. And, and Colombia saying, hey, Venezuela, close your border. That's the same thing over in Europe. Italy saying, hey, Germany, stop pulling them in. You know, and, and Spain saying, hey, Morocco, stop sending them through. But... Everywhere I go, it's the same story. But here, the United Nations, who has a huge presence here in Panama, they're the headquarters for the United Nations here, who runs this, the IOM, the OIM, depending on which language. Uh, the OIM, uh, the Organization for Immigration and Migration, they are, they are, or International Organization for Migration, they are, um, uh, they are the main pump, right? And the United States is the one that feeds that pump. This camp I'm at right now called San Vicente Camp. If you look it up, San Vicente Camp. It's in Darien Province, Panama. This is the camp that uh, Secretary Mayorkas came to. The Secretary of Homeland Security came to here in April of, of 2022. I was waiting right where I'm talking to you now. I was waiting at this exact spot for four days. I thought he might land here. He landed right in front of me in four Blackhawks. He came into this camp. He got out of his Blackhawks right in front of me here came into this camp, and since that, he came in promising to build this camp larger. Now, I have footage from the day he came, aerial footage and uh, recent footage, 
And look how much this camp has grown. It's relatively massive now, and it's much smoother. I mean, it's not only on the camp, not only are there more camps, they're bigger, and they run a lot smoother. So we're going to have at least ten thousand a day coming through with the with the with the infrastructure that they either already have in place or is almost done. For instance, the new buses, sixty roughly sixty buses to about two hundred. Uh, they're building a bridge out in the jungle, which I was just out looking at yesterday. It'll help. Anyway, I could go on for days, yeah. sir. Michael, let me let me. Um, we, we need to close here, but it, it's it sounds like it's become just a conveyor belt of people coming north. Is that a good? Is that an accurate uh, uh, description? Yep, that's how, that's how I describe it sometimes. And George, this is how the conveyor, that's exactly how I describe it sometimes, is the conveyor belt. Now imagine the conveyor belt through the Darien Gap, which is pretty intense jungle. But there are easier routes that the Chinese pay a lot to go, which are still a little bit difficult, but they're not that dangerous. Very few people die on the Chinese route. Very, very few. Yeah. Uh, and um, But through the other route, like even three years ago, it was probably 10%. I mean, that's like wartime level. I mean, to state it clearly, like 1-0% were dying coming through. Nobody knows how many. Now I would say it's maybe 1% or something, which would still be 30, 40, 50 a day, right? Yeah. Like right now, as we speak, there's literally people dying right now. But most of them do make it through. Now the conveyor belt, uh, now the conveyor belt used to be much more difficult just two and three years ago. Now it's shorter, it's bigger, it's safer, still dangerous, uh, but it's much safer and, and the camps that you come to are much more efficient. So the conveyor belt is shorter, it's going faster and it's wider, right? Wow. Like they're going from, listen, just a couple of years ago, there was only like maybe a dozen buses a day, maybe, yeah. right? Maybe maybe 10. And, and we thought that was big, but the reason I kept coming here is because I saw that they were building the infrastructure to use the South American, because they're crystal clear that the World Economic Forum and others, that they want to push 1.2 billion with a B migrants into places like Europe and the United States and Japan. So one of the ways they're going to do that is through the Darien Gap, right? Now, it's just a matter of time until they're showing up directly to the United States and, you know, uh, in luxury ships or on freighters, right? right. Like Camp on the Saints. It's just a matter of time. Now, Michael, we, we need to let you go. But um, uh, what's your final warning for the United States right now, given what, what you're seeing at the um, uh, at the Darien Gap? What's your final thought? Well, you see what's happening in Israel. It's clearly coming to the United States. I am a workhorse. I spent most of my life out of the United States in more than 90 countries and a lot of war and conflict. It's clearly coming to the United States. All the, the conditions are set, and there's a reason I spend so much time in Texas. Anybody who knows me knows when they saw me coming to Texas, they're like, I guess it's time to leave Texas. Now, like, brother, you know, if I'm coming to set up shop in Texas, it's because I think that's going to be a war zone, and it clearly will be. You got it, buddy. Thank you very much, folks. We've been speaking with my with my good friend Michael Yon, a writer, author, and he is at the Darien Gap as we speak. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us, Michael. Thank you for having me on. It's a great honor, and anytime you want to come down, sir, I'll take you down here. You got it. Thank you very much. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez and Conservador talking to you from San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.